Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. I am now recording. <clears throat> How do we do this? I don't I don't know. Uh I feel way out of practice. Oh man, that's summer summer hiatus. Yeah, uh, necessary, but also makes you rusty. Yeah, I had I had like a bunch of Google pages open, and I was like, "Ghost, is it haunted? I don't know." And I was getting like <laughs> real discouraged, and then I realized is, it's fine. It's we. It's just it's just talking on the phone with me, kid. At the end of the day, we're just letting other people listen to our phone conversations. Speaking of which, welcome to this welcome. podcast is. Haunted! TM, 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 Why are we putting TMs on a billion things, Jeff? Oh, God. Okay, so this is real inside baseball, but there is... Uh, well, we can't we can't have a have it be remain nameless because the name is the entire point of it. There was another... Right. <laughs> there was another podcast that decided to use the name this podcast is haunted which i am comfortable in the fact that they won't listen to this or care but anyway if even if they do we have the legal standards so change your right. fucking name <laughs> um yeah yeah they started another podcast and you know what i actually i did i did download and listen and it's really just a mixtape like they're using the word podcast really loosely yeah uh their mixes are pretty fucking good it's all like if that's what you're into uh, by all means R&B. like we're not here to like shade you for like what your content we just wish you did a simple google search right you were not used our name so we're trying to figure it out fam we we went ahead and we trademarked our name i like sat down with a lawyer guys oh man uh and paid a somewhat exorbitant amount of money in order to register the trademark, this podcast is haunted in both Jen's and mine's name. Yeah. Mine? Um, mine. How do we do that? I don't mine's. know. Mine's? Mine? That sounds bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not to be smart. I'm pretty. So yeah, so that was kind of like our summer drama. We had to sort of legally hustle somebody off of our name. <laughs> yeah, and we're still we're still kind of dealing with it. But it's like, I mean, don't obviously don't like go after them right yeah it's please fine. don't send like, them we're hate. dealing with things in the proper channels and it's fine right. and like it was probably an honest mistake and so like we're you know fully but like if you guys are going to start a podcast which we absolutely think you should it's mm-hmm. super fun and relatively cheap it's a good hobby start a podcast but like just do like a basic google search yeah. of your name jen and i had to search and make sure that nobody else was using this we did one. a lot of google searching and a lot of damn it it's taken <laughs> Right. Oh. You would be surprised how many names we didn't use. Yeah. <laughs> this one was almost like the last resort, but now I love it more than the others. I know. I can't imagine being called anything else. It'd <sighs> be a different world. It would be. Jen, that was my summer vacation. Yeah. What was your summer vacation about? My summer vacation. I was in Pittsburgh, as you might know. Um I was interning with a production company, which is kind of weird for a museum person, but... um, I was going to say, that does not fit at all. Yeah. Why? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, that doesn't make a lick of sense, but all right. It, well, it makes sense because they make videos for museums and parks. So, Ew. yeah. Nice. So, when you go to your mu- local museum and you see the little like intro video, orientation video type of thing, someone has to make that. And so, this company does that and they do a pretty good job. Um, That's awesome. Do you want to tell us the name of the company? It's called Argentine Productions and. They're great, and if you are in a position to hire a media company for your museum video needs, give them a call. <laughs> Fun fact, my museum is not in that position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will say that these things are not cheap. Um, no. They do a lot of work with the national parks, and so like they have that sweet, sweet government money. And yes. these things will run you like a like a quarter mil like it's well this one is a particularly like we did um okay i should explain we (laughs) we were working on a project uh, for valley forge national historic park Mm -hmm. and this was uh, a bit more of an ordeal than they usually do because it involved a lot of reenactors and costumes and so like that's always going to be a bigger deal than just like showing up to a park and shooting some nature so that was definitely one of their bigger budget projects that they've secured but it was a lot of fun i super geeked out about everything revolutionary war um that's your bag that's it's like kind of my bag but i also like don't know a lot about it because i'm not a military historian so i just kind of like yeah, just like give me some Abigail Adams and Hamilton and like <laughs> let's go. Right. Like I, let's I, talk about eating horses. Like I when I think about Valley Forge, I think about like a really hard winter. Like mm-hmm. eating the horses, yep. feet in rags, mm-hmm. you know, that whole so- sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I can give you some Well, why don't we what do you want to do you want to just head right into that part? Because I can tell you some things about Valley Fuck Forge. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's That's do it. That's what we're going to forget. We're deciding I mean, like, we outline. don't really have, like, we tried to make an outline before we got this together, guys, but we're garbage. Let's we're just do this. We're the flow. We're just, like, not letting the outline drive us, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's it. We're, paper doesn't tell us what to do. Yeah, we tell it what to do. We're docs. I eat paper for breakfast. Goddamn. I, I <laughs> you don't. Can I usually eat. the different formats that we use. <laughs> Oh, heavens. So, Valley Forge from so, the top. Okay. Um, I'm going to, like, I'm going to just, like, give a real quick primer on, like, what the fuck we're talking about. Because not everyone is from, right. not everyone who listens to this is from America or even the United States. Um, <laughs> I feel like considering how many people we know who are not from America, like, yeah. for example, I don't know, Tiff. Well, she's from Edmund. America, but she's lived she in England. She is, but also she's lived in England for 20 years. Tiff, we love yes. you. Okay. Okay. The Revolutionary War. <laughs> Obviously, most people might know it is the war that turned the American colonies into the United States. No. But it wasn't, it wasn't like all black and white, but I think like ultimately like King George III was not a super great leader. <laughs> King George III, mad King George, yeah. no, was not a super great leader. Yeah. So he was king at the time. So they just decided that, like, you know, independence is where it's at and fought the war. So it started in, I don't even know when Bunker Hill was, whatever, 1770, um, Declaration of Independence, <laughs> 1776. 
So we're going. I'm going to drop us into 1777. So the war has been going on for a couple years now. And spoiler alert, it's going to be continuing on for like another five years. So this is yeah. right in the this middle. This is a long battle. Yeah. Yorktown is what, 1781? 1781. Yeah. Thank you, Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda already yeah. told us what year Thank it was. Thank you, Lynn, for my knowledge of <laughs> American Revolution uh. dates. So... <laughs> So anyway, sorry, go yeah, ahead. Something that people might not know about uh, armies and battles and wars at the time is that it was generally practiced that you would you do all your, you know, battling during spring, summer, fall months, and then just like pack up and camp for the for the winter because who wants to fight in the snow? Not me. <laughs> so they would just kind of right. like find a spot and then just like sort of chill. So in the winter of 1777 to 78, that spot was Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And that is located about 19 miles northwest of Philadelphia. Why did they choose that spot? Because the British had just taken Philadelphia. So it was kind of like a strategic, want to be close enough to keep an eye on them, but not too close that they can, you know, kill us kind of a deal. Right. Right. <laughs> so everyone's like, why did you choose to camp out in rural Pennsylvania throughout the winter? That's why. Um, oh, there's a reason. It's not like General Washington is making it up as he goes. I know, right? He's not dumb. Speaking of which, Congress thought he was kind of dumb. So <laughs> they kept... Well, Congress historically has been kind of dumb. Exactly. That's the thing about being led by the governance of your people. Mm-hmm. You get idiots. <laughs> Yeah, so they just kind of, like, didn't exactly trust him, and he was like, I need supplies, or rather Hamilton was like, we need supplies, and they're like, nah, man, and then Washington was like, well, why don't you come here and see what we need, and they did, and they're like, oh, shit, you do need supplies. Oh, shit, you need supplies. Oh, oh you're eating horses. Yeah. Oh, We have resorted okay. to eating our horses. <laughs> there are a lot of, shall we say, myths surrounding Valley Forge, some of which I would like to dispel right now. First of all, apparently a lot of people ask this of park rangers at Valley Forge. There was no, as as you might have guessed by now, there was no battle at Valley Forge. It was just, just people camping, guys. A lot of people died, but not from stabs. Right, not from bayonet wounds. It's from fucking starvation and yeah. exposure. Yeah, but myth number two, it was not the coldest, snowiest winter of the war. Did you know that? True. Okay, you I think didn't know William that. Longfellow is the one who fucked that up, right? Didn't he put that in a poem oh, probably. about Valley Forge? I don't know. He, Anytime like, a really popular poem about the American Revolution, it's probably William Longfellow. Mm. And he just like made shit up as he went. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have done that over the years with the American Revolution. <laughs> Bicentennial. Well, and, <laughs> right, right. And and also while we're calling centennials out, the cent- the, the centennial was also pretty bad about that too. People get nostalgic, and when they get nostalgic, they make things up. Weird. Yeah. Uh, they embellish. Yeah. So, so yeah, that wasn't the coldest winter. Uh, for some reason, it has, like, gone down in history as such. But the real problem there was mud because it didn't, like, actually properly freeze. And so they couldn't get shipments because they kept getting stuck in the mud. 
Fun fact. On top of that, mud keeps you damp, which keeps you cold. Yeah. Ruins your shoes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, makes you more susceptible to disease because it's literally clinging to you. Yeah. And there was no, like, hot bath that yeah. you could get rid of it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mud is mm -hmm, not a mm -hmm. fucking joke. Yeah. They did end up building cabins, though, too, which, like, kept people, like, they are, quote, tolerably comfortable, according to Martha Washington, who was in a stone house. So <laughs> we'll take that with a grain of salt. There was, oh, another fun fact is the whole, like, Washington train in the in the forest clearing is also, like, yeah. bullshit. But, like, yeah, of course. Whatever. Why would Washington go and lean in the fucking mud <laughs> in, out in the cold? He had a house to pray in. Yeah. And he's not a fucking dummy. Yeah. But that's, isn't that, like, uh, so the... Mm, what was it the movement the romantic uh surrealism romantic ideal of the victorian era where everything is like more close to god if you're out in nature yeah that's probably like, something like that speaking as a kind of somewhat pagan and also kind of somewhat atheist mm -hmm. bullshit <laughs> listen man if there's a god they can hear you inside too like yeah if god's if god is all powerful and all knowing like a roof is not gonna hold him back right um <laughs> so but anyway, that was just that was a story that came out of the romanticizing of this time, and much like the cherry tree, actually it came from the same biography as the cherry tree story. So there you go. <laughs> so let's we'll stop calling that a biography, and we'll start referring to it as a mythography. Yeah, hagiography is that what that is too? Oh, um, I have no idea. Is there a real word for this? I thought I was being clever. I don't actually, I just said, I know that's a word, but now I'm like very much second guessing what that word means. So <laughs> it's fine. I was, I'm not in grad school, so I'm just making stuff up. I am. And I still make things up. Um, God bless. Yeah. I'm going to so, stop interrupting you though. Go ahead. <laughs> so I guess the question like that I keep asking myself is like, why, why is it that Valley Forge is the only like winter encampment that people can think of? <laughs> and like, which that's like out of. How many years there were to like it was like an eight year war, and can you name another winter encampment? I can, but only because okay. I watched the show Turn. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You're a more unique case. I'm I'm mostly in it because I think Jamie Bell's hot. So, <laughs> as always, my vagina is leading me to interesting places. Yeah, but everyone has heard of Valley Forge, and I think. So according to my research, um, there's, I think, a couple important reasons why everyone re remembers that. Reason number one is because this is the year that Bar Baron von Steuben arrives and he kind of like turns the army from like a bunch of ragtag militia men into an actual standing army. Uh, they had never... And he is gay as hell, yes. right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're talking about historical figures, you're never going to, like, right. read, like, this is my big gay lifestyle, like, confession. <laughs> right. So there's, you know, still a lot of, like, alleged, alleged, alleged attached to that. But, yes, uh, he had a lot of very close, young, attractive male aides, which, like, a lot of, I mean, military officers had helpers and so and secretaries so like that's not so unusual but he would also have like parties where clothes were not allowed <laughs> right although this was also the enlightenment and you know yeah it's very greek mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. no yeah uh but he is i think considered an lgbt hero of the war by modern standards what is it allegedly 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 wait, allegedly wait, wait. but still if you're interested in an interesting character 
Yeah. Uh, check him out. I mean, he was, and, and he like adopted two of his, you know, most favorite aides as like his heirs. And so there's a lot of speculation, I think, even at the time of like, what's going on there? Like he didn't, he never married, I don't think, never had any children of his own. So like, I'm not trying to like prescribe like modern terms to historical figures, but also I'm not trying to like hetero wash history. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Draw what conclusions you may. Yeah. Regardless of his sexuality, though, he was freaking badass and awesome and hilarious like he would just he uh basically created the entire system for training the army that is still referenced today uh yes called his blue book and i've read portions of it it's very hard to read because it's written in the 18th century but it's very thorough and methodic and prussian as you might imagine (laughs) right (laughs) so but he taught them how to drill how to use bayonets they had never used bayonets in battle which was like severely limiting their potential yeah bayonets are a very crucial tool for the american revolution yeah like basically anytime there was a charge they were just like shit out of luck because they just they were using them to skewer meat and cook meat over fires that's it right yeah but once they learned how to actually use them they did use them to win battles exactly yeah so imagine that um he also taught them how to just like generally have discipline how like officers should you know treat their soldiers and and how to have good hygiene because that was a huge problem at the time. So like digging yes. latrines and using them. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's huge. If you've yeah. got you know a thousand men in a field and you don't have a proper latrine, you are going to have huge dysentery. issues with like cholera and dysentery. <laughs> yeah, typhus. Does typhus come from? I think so. I'm just trying to picture everything I died from on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just, anyway. you just need him to teach you how to dig a latrine, um, you mm. stupid, stupid prairie person. I don't know. <laughs> Stop drinking where you shit don't or where your cow shit. shit where you drink. <laughs> it's really not that hard, people. <laughs> I am like a quarter of the way through my notes. Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. So uh, anyway... What else happened that uh, winter was, or actually spring at the time, was they received news of the French alliance in May of 1778, which was obviously huge news. Yes. It was like someone else recognizing them and their potential and being like, here, have money and guns and ships. So they like had a huge celebration. Yeah. Also... (laughs) Sorry, I just like spent a lot of time doing research on this. And so I'm like, let me tell you everything. (laughs) So what you're saying is there's no way in hell this one's going to be 45 minutes. I will try my best. Uh, We're not going to make it. It's not going to be 45 minutes. It's fine. Uh, Another huge thing that happened, like it kind of started before Valley Forge and continued after Valley Forge, but it was happening at this time was one of the first government mandated mass inoculations against smallpox. Really? Yeah. So George Washington had... Well, okay. Before I get to... Wait. Are they going to be putting scabs in their mouths? In the, Not in their mouths. <laughs> okay. This okay, is creepy history, Kate. I have to get creepy. Um, <laughs> so Creepy or gross, Jeff? So you know how like when the first Europeans came over to the Americas, they basically 
decimated all of the Native American population with biological warfare, essentially, known as smallpox. And part of it was unintentional. Part of it was intentional as fuck when they realized what was happening and they gave uh, smallpox infested blankets to the Native Americans as like a, here, here's a gift for you. And it will be a time bomb and kill you all. Yeah. That sucks. Um, And it happened. Uh, so that ha- yeah, that is actually that's a real fact, everybody. Yeah, it was intentional. It was not like oh, it was a bad trade, and oops, you got some smallpox. Oops, no, they knew what they were fucking doing. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, and it was like a genocide. Like ninety percent of the Native American population was like completely decimated by this. So yes. it was not a small deal. Um, if you ever want a really great book on this subject, read 1491. Yes. I don't remember who the author is, but it I mean, it's a beefy book. You're going to be in it for a while mm. uh, and you're going to leave angry. Yeah. Also, check out An Indigenous People's History of the United States. That one's also eye opening and will fill you with hot rage. Yay. But anyway, this is like 200 years later. By right. the late 1700s, that whole smallpox thing had been over for a very long time. And actually, the the colonists had kind of lost their natural resistance to smallpox. It had just been so long, and they a lot of them were living in rural communities that had just not had any concentrated waves of smallpox, you know, going through. So Europe was still, like, dealing with waves of smallpox every once in a while, and so they had kind of built up almost a kind of immunity to it like it would still affect them but they were like way more naturally resistant to to smallpox so when all the british soldiers came to fight the war they brought with them this kind of like just everyone had a little bit of smallpox on them i think just like (laughs) just just a little bit and just like a film of smallpox on everything yeah and so when you get those all those guys together with all of these, you know, wholesome rural <laughs> colonial Americans who have just never been subjected to smallpox at all. That's a very bad combination. <laughs> so, yeah, when you get these armies together in the battlefield, it's just there's just huge potential to have all the British infect all of the Americans and just like completely decimate the co- the continental army which not ideal so george washington had had smallpox as a child so he did have um that immunity to it and he had heard about this idea of inoculation and he decided it was a good idea and decided to mandate that the entire army be inoculated against smallpox which, which really is a great idea it is a great idea and it's also a risky idea and Generally, I I guess the best time to do that is during the summer months because, you know, it's warm, you're you're hardy, you're healthy, uh, you can fight the disease. But they're fighting battles in the summer and they can't risk having, you know, X th- number of thousands of soldiers be, like, out for the count because they're getting over their, you know, short bout of smallpox. Right. Uh, so... Because, you know, battles and stuff, they have to put it off for the winter. And so now they're all, you know, in Valley Forge and they're starving and they're cold and wet. And isn't this a great uh, time to give everyone just a little bit of smallpox? Uh, So let's just roll the dice on a little bit of smallpox. Just a little bit. They decided to do this mass inoculation, which involves... Uh, you slice open the arm 
of a healthy person. And then you take like the scabs of a smallpox person and you just just rub it in there. Just get it just get it all in that bloodstream and then you just like, you know, bind that up with a bandage so it just like stays contained in that area. Oh and then <laughs> Wait, wait, they leave the scab in there? I think so. I don't know. It's gotta have like Oh <laughs> You gotta have a good chance to like just, you know, get that right in there. But they use the scabs and not what? the pus because the pus is like too uh concentrated, concentrated probably. So, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it just me or did everything turn into a tunnel? Are you getting sweaty? <laughs> I, I, I smell toast. Am I having a stroke? Oh, my God. Stay with oh me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that will, that will make you a little sick. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I'm not going to throw up. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just kind of like planned in to like just know that you're going to get sick for a couple weeks. If you can make it through those two weeks and still be alive, you're probably good. And actually, it went really well out of, like, how many thousands of soldiers they had there. Like, only a handful of people died, which sounds horrible, but also, like, just really good statistics. Yeah. (laughs) Because the rest of them are good to go. Like, they are now immune to smallpox. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, good for them. Sorry, I'm still thinking about putting another person's scab under my skin. I know, right? <laughs> Gross. I'm... Yep. I thought you liked, like, picking other people's zits, though, so I'm surprised I... this grosses yes, you out so much. fully. Yes, yes, sure. I'm not letting it under my skin, though. Mm-hmm. It's not... I'm not like taking their blackhead and jamming it into my blood. Oh God! Oh. oh, this is. I didn't even know your elbows could sweat. My elbows are sweating. Ah, uh, well, I'm sorry to anyone else listening to this who might be. That's cool. Let's keep talking about other things. Yeah, we can move on. So that was that was cool. Um, so <laughs> they got news of the French Alliance in May of 1778, and you know they were all trained up. And they finally marched out of Valley Forge on June 19th, 1778, which seems late to me. But I guess, I don't know. Maybe that's just how they were doing it then. Yeah, that could be. (laughs) June 19th. So, yeah, when a lot of people were asking me, like, why are you shooting a film in Valley Forge in August? And this is why. (laughs) Right. Because we needed the summer. Yeah. Fun fact. Speaking only tangentially about smallpox, they needed an extra nurse in a, in a scene, in a hospital scene. And guess who got to be a nurse in that hospital Are scene? Are you a nurse yep. in this movie? Yep. I, yeah. I got to be a nurse, which was like, I got to live out my lifelong dream of wearing colonial lady outfits. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. The gorgeous Georgians is for real. The Georgian era... It's, when they're wearing like sackback dresses and so stays, mm-hmm. it's so and the prints are so lovely. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, times a thousand. Fun fact: uh, stays are actually pretty comfortable because they're not yes. like designed to uh, make you as skinny as possible. They're just like 18th century bras. They just hold your shit up. Yeah, they just like yeah. keep your shit together. So I got I, to wear one of those. I actually feel more efficient in stays. Like I'm I'm upright. I'm breathing. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you're bending in a way that's healthy for your body. I yep. kind of wish stays would come back. I think they should. Like, Unfortunately, our 
skinny people crazed society no offense jen yeah no. uh, would would just take it the opportunity to be as skinny as possible That's and true. put their organs out of place yeah. so weight tra- waist training is is a thing and yeah that's back it's bad the the kardashians engage in that you know like it's 1878 again yeah we want the we want the the 1700s not not the 1800s version yeah the 1800s were no good they were no good full 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 denial they did some weird shit to women's bodies in that century anyway (laughs) don't get me started (laughs) that century and this one jen people are putting sacks of silicone into their chests. weird weird shit um yeah so i got to wear a really fun outfit and it was like a dream come true and in about 2020 the film will come out and i will be immortalized (laughs) (laughs) for like the next 40 years as part of their orientation video at valley forge that's really cool yeah uh that was like the most fun thing ever so that is basically valley forge um the next question I think anyone who's listening to this podcast is, is like, get to the ghost. Is it haunted? I don't know if it's haunted. I think it's probably haunted. I found certainly a number of people be like, yeah, I totally saw things. There was like a lot of like EVP recordings that I did not hear anything from, but maybe that's just me. But I guess the question is like a lot of people died of like disease and starvation and stuff. But are there actually any, like, mass graves there? A lot of people currently think probably not, which is interesting. I guess there was, like, a lot of off-site hospitals that they would, like, send sick people to. And then they just, like, buried them there. Um, That is interesting. Yeah. I know. It was, I don't know. So during the 1800s, like, um, during the centennial of 1876, that's when people started to actually look at Valley Forge as like a historic landmark and be like, oh, this is maybe something that we should preserve um, instead of just like use as farms. So they started like reserving the land and preserving things. There, any, there are a couple like log cabins there. None of them are original to the actual, you know, encampment, but a lot of them were right. built in the early, like, 1900s as a, you know, this is a park now, and we're going to turn it into a thing. It wasn't actually turned into a national park until 1976 uh, during the Bicentennial. Yeah, for the Bicentennial. That's so late. Uh, good old Jerry Ford was there and, like, signed a piece of paper that made it a park. So, yeah. So a lot of, like ghost stories ghost sightings are from the late 1800s and early 1900s because that's when they were kind of having this nostalgia for it and going back to it as a historic site they and putting energy into the thought of those souls who were there exactly which i think is part of the ghost yeah. game yep because mm-hmm. uh, until then people like the locals had just kind of like reclaimed it as their own farmland which is totally legit because the army came in and took like tore down all their fences to build (laughs) to build huts and chopped down all the surrounding trees to keep building huts and so they're like well fuck we're gonna take all this wood back thanks so they did yeah bye normal i mean what else are you gonna do yeah Uh, military camps are supposed to be temporary exactly that's why they're not forts exactly Okay, an 1898 letter uh, describes 
a slope of land, like an area of land that was had eroded away to reveal the knee bones of soldiers buried in a crouched position. Um, Gross. So yeah, there's like letters and stuff like that in the early 1900s. The Daughters of the American Revolution erected a couple monuments at like that site and like a couple other sites of suspected mass or unmarked graves. In 1895, mm. there were reports of ghostly campfires and the spirits of revolutionary soldiers were said to be visible on the hillsides of, on stormy nights. So, like, just, like, very good campfire tales. Of, Fun. Yeah. Other burial sites were located through the 30s and, and even up to the 70s, uh, but their methods of identification are, like, unknown and kind of, like, we don't know how they decided that this was a mass grave, so it's probably not. Um, right. <laughs> there have been some, like, recent studies that of, like, eight, actual 18th century documents that reveal, you know, references to burials of, like, animal bones and refuse so like garbage pits basically so like maybe part of what they were finding before were actually animal bones i don't know um that could be or i mean there's a chance that a couple men were buried there as like you know they're dead they're here what do we do with them um i do think though that they would have made an effort to transport any bodies to a more like sacred burial ground because i mean they weren't this isn't like the holocaust like they were like they they were their own men their Mm. own soldiers like they had obviously a lot of respect for them you know in death and so they would have like taken care of them properly right so according to national park historian joseph lee boyle uh no substantiated human graves have ever been found in the park so there's that there have of course there are always stories of orbs and voices and sightings of soldiers and george washington so right you know it could be true i'm not here to poo poo anyone but um, it's a site of great energy whether whether you're talking about the actual events of that winter Mm -hmm. or you're talking about the subsequent two centuries where people have been going there as almost a sacred site it's pouring a lot of energy Mm -hmm. into that environment and and that's a really great way to get activity in one way or another regardless of what that activity is yeah well, I wanted a more concrete George Washington ghost story because I was just like all primed and ready to be like, and then his ghost did this. And right. there's all these rangers that report, have all these reports. And I was like a little disappointed to not find anything. But I kept looking for George Washington ghosts and I found one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Not at Valley Forge. I mean, not like, you know, they're okay. Alleged, alleged. But. There's a pretty good story from of a sighting of him at Mount Vernon, um, uh-huh. his home, if you don't know. After George Washington, who I will now refer to as GW, died, he his estate, Mount Vernon, passed on to his nephew, Bushrod Washington. Sorry, I, what was that guy's first name? Bushrod. So, like... I'm sorry, his name is Bushrod? Listen, this as is... is Bush... The thing I'm rocking between my thighs and Rod, my favorite thing to rock between my thighs. <laughs> somebody named somebody oh else God. Bushrod. They looked at a baby and they looked into his angelic cherub slime covered face yeah. and they said fucking Bushrod. That's it. 
That's a thing that you're you, telling me happened. You know, he looks like a bushrod. I <laughs> must be an ugly, fucked up face, because as beautiful as the act of sexual congress is, yeah. the actual physical look of it is not pretty. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that was his Bush name. Bushrod. Bushrod Washington. Um, Bushrod Washington. He wasn't named by George Washington, if that makes you feel better. It was some relation to him. Gee, that relation should probably be horsewhipped. Um, the fucking... Uh, anyway, yeah. Bushrod. Bushrod's gonna inherit Mount Vernon. Do tell. Apparently, he had a habit of, like, any guests who would come visit him at Mount Vernon, he'd be like, hey, do you want to see uh, George Washington's grave, like, his tomb? And he would just, like, take them on a tour of the tomb. And Sure. Like, as that actually do. seems very reasonable to me. I mean, that's probably why everyone was there. Like, let's be honest, who gives a shit about visiting Bushrod? Well, and it's a... Right. It's a very common entertainment in those days to to go into large public houses um, and kind of like view their statuary and things like, I mean, Mm -hmm. think about um, Mm -hmm. Pemberley. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and yeah, interesting part about the the tourism aspect of it, um, which I will get to. Um, So like one such visitor was Josiah Quincy III, who is a Massachusetts politician who... I think at the time was serving in the House of Representatives. Uh huh. So he goes to visit his friend and or acquaintance Bushrod, and <laughs> maybe I'll just say it as much as possible now. Please do lean in. It's a lean in moment. So he goes to visit Bushrod in 1806, <laughs> <laughs> and upon upon his arrival, Bushrod assigns him <laughs> to to sleep in GW's bedroom. Uh, oh, how auspicious. Which is, like, that's pretty important. Which is also, conveniently, the room in which his uncle had died. Um, Bushrod's uncle. George Washington. Who is George Washington? Okay, I was like, is this another George uncle? Washington's like, uncle. How many people have to fucking bite it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, here you go. Here's my uncle's room. This is where he died. Uh, no big deal. Um, and then, according to the retelling of this story... Uh, he said, for dramatic effect, uh, Judge Washington, as I guess he was also a judge, who knows, um, as he withdrew. Judge Bushrod. Judge Bushrod Washington, as he withdrew, mentioned, mentioned the rumor that an interview with Washington had been granted to some of its uh, former occupants. It's being, you know, the room's former occupants. Um, so basically, if you ask nicely, GW will show up. And say hi so wow. allegedly quincy gave it a go and apparently it worked and he saw washington so this this account of this story comes from quincy's son who apparently did not want to give a whole lot of details about the actual sighting of george washington without consulting a quote expert in cerebral illusions um but his father's assurance in this matter was perfect so he was like very, wow. very much convinced. Later, Bushrod uh, Washington uh. <laughs> took Quincy to to see, you know, said tomb of George Washington, and uh, Quincy said that uh, he saw the velvet cover of the coffin was hanging in tatters, it having been brought to this condition by the assaults of relic hunters, which well. probably doesn't sound too uh, surprising to you, because no, that yeah, was, makes perfect sense. Yeah, that was also a huge thing of if you're going to go visit an important 
thing or an important person dies or you you're faced with like a piece of fabric that was somewhere important you're gonna yeah clip take a little piece with part you. of it that's why so many people have alleged locks of george washington's hair and yada 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 um so quincy uh i guess the son quincy i i think surmised that this might be why washington's ghost uh kept returning because and he cites uh ralph waldo emerson here saying care not to strip the dead of his sad ornament so Huh. I thought that was interesting. It's a, a nice quote. I like that. Yeah. So, George Washington, active at Mount Vernon, at least in Which makes sense. You know, he was he spent so much of his focus on Mount Vernon. He never wanted to be president. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want to be, have a public life. He just wanted to go home and be a farmer. Uh, so George you have George Washington kind of uh, laid to rest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eh, as it were. I... Is there anything more you'd like to say? Um, not about Valley Forge, but I hear you might have something. I got a little, I got a little something, something. Okay. Just a okay. little, okay. Okay. little, little something here. This is actually not about General Washington. He's actually not anybody I had ever heard of before. Okay. His name is Anthony Wayne. He was called Mad Anthony because he was quite an aggressive fighter. Okay. Was he so, also an ancestor of Bruce Wayne? You know, I have never made that connection, but it's a damn good one, Jeff. Maybe that's where Batman got his aggression from. Just saying. There you go. <laughs> so Matt Anthony was born January 1st, New Year's baby, 1745. He died in 1796. He was a contemporary of George Washington's, and he was a leader of the Revolutionary mm-hmm. Army. In fact, he actually planned and implemented the attack that overran the British forces at Stony Creek, New York using only bayonets. We, did, we didn't really talk about this before when we were talking about bayonets. Bayonets is ugly fighting. Yeah. Very ugly. It's personal. It's in your face. You are stabbing someone with all your might. Well, it's like a using... sword attached to your musket, or I guess like a dagger right. or something, but it's like very right. sharp and very pointy. And on top of that, I know by the time of the Civil War and possibly at the time of the American Revolution, I'm not at all an authority on bayonets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) During the Civil War, at least, bayonets were created so that they would create a puncture wound, Mm. more so than just a stabbing. Okay. So eventually it becomes a very, very efficient killing tool. Hmm. So during the Civil War, picture a knife blade. You know, it's it's a relatively thin slit that you're cutting into somebody. Mm -hmm. Easy to stitch together. Mm Mm-hmm. So by the time the Civil War is here, and again, it could be before, I'm not an authority on these matters, (laughs) but during the Civil War, the bayonet now was shaped more like a triangle so that it created a wider hole that was very hard to stitch together and would do all kinds of damage to organs underneath. Those poor Civil War doctors, (laughs) they just had so much (laughs) shit to deal with. Right, yeah. And so, also, I guess, poor soldiers that got injured I was, and whatever. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, the poor doctor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Anthony Wayne, he's a, he's a fighter. And I, I respect him, but I feel like if I met him, I wouldn't like him. Mm. After his time in the military, he's actually dispatched away from civilian life by General Washington himself to go be a quote-unquote diplomat. Oh, so he got promoted away. 
Uh, sort of. <laughs> he was so good at killing people that they sent him into the Northwest Indian War. Are you familiar with that war? No. So following the exit of British troops in after the Battle of Yorktown, they actually turned land over to the Native Americans and gave Native Americans legal rights to their land. Hmm. They settled what would be the American boundary at the Treaty of Paris. Was that uh, 1783? Well, probably. And so, yeah, somewhere in there. Ah. So the, the Native Americans, though, were not part of that treaty process. And so part of the land that the British turned over to, uh, to the American forces was actually land that they had promised to the Native Americans. Ah. Hmm. So this caused the Northwest Indian War. And it was actually... Um, uh, it was the combatants were called the Confederacy of Indians, but that's because there were so many tribes involved. It's really incredible. I'm going to read to you the Native American tribes that sent fighters. Okay. So the Confederacy of the Three Fires, that's Ottawa, Ojibwa, and Potawatomi. Uh, those are our Native Americans here in West Michigan. Mm-hmm. The Iroquois, the Seven Nations, the Wabash, the Illini, the Wyandotte, the Misagwa, the Menominee, Shawnee, Lenape, Miami, Kickapoo, Kaskaskia, wow. Chickamauga, Cherokee, and the Upper Muscogee. Jesus. So it was a large group of Native Americans putting up a real fight for their rights. Mm-hmm. And they dispatched our mad dog, Anthony, here, mm. uh, and he shut things down, oh. which is probably why I wouldn't have liked him in real okay. life. Like, if I met him now, I'd be like, kind of fuck I you. I was like, all into his nickname, and now I'm like, oh, bummer. Yeah, fuck this guy. Um, So he actually organized the treaty that ended that war and gave us most of modern-day Ohio. So there's another thing we don't have to like him for. (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. Just kidding. Uh, Patty, when you listen to this, we do love you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's it's a Michigan person's... um, Bias? What's... mm, Prejudice? Also... Prejudice, yes. Prerogative is actually the word I was shooting well, for. You know. <laughs> uh, we can't help but hate on Ohio. It's like a reflex. So yeah. thanks, but no thanks. Did you see that meme this week about what we should do about Ohio? No. So Ohio is quote unquote problematic because it's a swing state and they're, they, kept, they keep setting their rivers and lakes on fire with all of their sewage. And <laughs> so it's a big problem. So somebody said that we should turn over we should turn over the good parts of Ohio to Michigan. And when they said the good parts, they said Toledo and hmm. Sandusky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, okay, yeah, we can take Sandusky. <laughs> right. We just want the we want your amusement park. That's what it is. So uh and then we um you know, save everybody else's life. We move them into Michigan. Now they're Michiganders. Oh, uh, can't and... they go to Indiana? Hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> And so then they said we should flood the entire state of Ohio that remains Uh and call it Lake Inferior (laughs) for obvious reasons. (laughs) And now the new acronym for remembering the Great Lakes would be HOMIES. Yes. And so uh, I think it's a really great plan, actually. This is all in a meme? This seems like a manifesto, not a meme. It's... It's pretty great. I think it was originally a tweet that is now being me. Oh, okay. Um, and but as a Michigander, I fucking approve. Yeah, anytime you can just kind of like wholesale hate on Ohio, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> Except for my friend Patty, Sorry, Patty. It was amazing. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, Patty. So here's our guy, Anthony Wayne. I wouldn't have liked him in life, but his afterlife is pretty fantastic. Okay. During these campaigns, he started to get sick pretty soon after, and he developed gout. Jeff, what do you know about gout? Everyone had it. Uh, you know what? Actually, it is. You're right. Uh, <laughs> it's a very common form of inflammation arthritis. Uh-huh. In fact, 4% of Americans today suffer from it. That number was probably higher in the old days because people drank a lot of alcohol Mm. since uh, clean water was not necessarily available. And they just also didn't have all those great studies that tell you how bad alcohol is. (laughs) Right. So gout is really fascinating. I kind of put the fear of God into myself today. Like I have a bunch of hallmarks for like eventually developing gout in my life. I know. So like, I'm getting, I don't know. I, I turn 30 and I like take my health seriously now. Yeah. I swim three fourths of a mile, at least three times a week now. Man, good for you. Dude, I have a bicep. I have a bicep. That's what I did on my summer vacation. I got a bicep, not two, just the just one, one has come in so far. But yeah, <laughs> old lefty, you can feel it sometime. Nice. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk a little bit more about gout because it's pretty fascinating. It's actually, even though it is a form of arthritis, because it's it's a buildup of gunk around your joints and it causes inflammation and painful joints. Mm-hmm. Incredibly painful. Like gout, the pain of gout is apparently completely debilitating. The pain can be so extreme that they say the weight of a sheet on a toe, uh, usually the big toe is affected by gout. Mm. The weight of a sheet of that on a, on a toe is enough to send somebody into paralysis of pain. Oh my God. Yes. How do they deal? Well, back then they just died. Okay. Gout is actually a buildup of uric acid in your body. Mm -hmm. So your kidneys are supposed to do a pretty good job of removing uric acid. Uric acid is released when you eat things like steak, sausages, seafood, alcohol, and anything with sugar. Mm. So the reason that they called this a rich man's disease is because when we think about the diets of people in the 1700s and before, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking steak, sausages, meat and seafood and sugar, especially sugar. Sugar was not a thing for a common person. Mm -hmm. And so those could only be afforded by the wealthy. Well, they're eating all of these things and they're not getting enough water. And there's also a genetic component in play. A lot of people are genetically predisposed to gout. My father's had gout before, so mm. I got to be careful. Yeah. Um, if you're overweight, your body naturally produces more uric acid. So people who have who, who carry more weight like I do, mm-hmm. they all have these things. And so that's why it was considered a rich man's disease. Yeah. It turns out anybody can get gout. Well, so. but yeah, you're just more likely if you have those things that rich people tend to have in more Right, quantity. rich people back in the 1700s. Yeah. Now today, rich people, rich people are less likely to eat red meat and uh, fatty sausages mm-hmm. and because they have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's kind of become... A poor people disease, just like obesity, is now a poor person's disease. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. So these kidneys are failing to remove the uric acid produced during the digestive process. And it creates a, I don't remember what the chemical term is, but a a buildup, basically, of this uric acid forms crystals. And those crystals get squeezed out of the bloodstream at the joints. Hmm. And so you get this buildup of these sharp 
needle-like crystals digging into your joints. And eventually, if it goes untreated or if you don't get your diet and, and other things under control, it'll start building up in your kidneys as well. Jeez. Now, you can live with your big toe being inflamed or being covered in tophi. Tophi are swellings and they almost look like warts or bunions under the skin from gout, from this buildup of uric acid crystals. Mm. Google tophi mm. on hands and feet. I, ooh. Yeah, I thought you were it's, the, I th- you were just being all squeamish about smallpox scabs and now you hit me with all this. I know, Jesus. yeah, but but smallpox scabs are super gross. Well, this is know. interesting. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, in in some people, it can lead to kidney stones and backed up kidneys and general kidney failure. So that's what happens to Anthony Wayne. Mm. He develops a severe, severe case of gout. Gout will come and go for years, but if it gets to the point where you're where it starts backing up your kidneys, you've only got days. Shit. There's nothing that they could do back then. So it kills him, mm-hmm. and he is actually buried while he was out. He, he his home is in Radnor, Pennsylvania, but he is died 400 miles away in Erie, Pennsylvania, at Prescott. Oh, I know where that is. Do you, Fort Presque Am I saying that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, good for me. There's some nice beaches there. Oh, cool. (laughs) So he's he's at that area. That's where he passes away. That's Erie County, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they bury him at the fort in a in a graveyard that they have set aside for that use i mean he's he's a war hero so they took care of him yeah uh they buried him well his coffin was plain but they hammered with brass tacks you know brass is brass looks like gold Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so they used brass tacks and they hammered his name the date he died and what he died of gout (laughs) Thank you. Which, I wish more which, people would do that. I walk through cemeteries and all I want to know is how did you die? Was it gross? Was it weird? Was it murder? I just got to know. Tell me your thing. <laughs> so he is dead. He's buried. And that's the end of his story. Ta-da. Yay. Thanks. This was great. Just kidding. There's more. Okay. He had two children, a daughter named Margareta and a son named Isaac. Isaac goes on to be a state representative. He's politically active. And it kills them that their father cannot be buried at home in the familial plot. Mm. So Margareta implores her brother, Isaac, go and get our father's bones. Yep, that won't be gross. Right. I mean, he's been, at this point in time, it's 1809. Mm. And so he's been dead for, hang on, I have to do math. Uh, He died in... 1796 mm-hmm. so it's so been yeah he he <laughs> should just be roughly a skeleton yeah. at this point in time so isaac sets out thinking that he's just going to collect the bones oh, okay and i don't like takes, those words <laughs> <laughs> um he takes what's called a a sulky gig s-u-l-k-y a sulky gig <laughs> it's a very short Carriage. I promise you, you've seen these before. Imagine a cart that has big wheels, almost like penny farthing wheels, mm-hmm. and it's balancing on those two wheels, very lightweight, so it can be pulled by a horse. So it's meant for one rider, maybe two. Okay. And then it'll have a small trunk space. What we, you know, like if you if it were a car, it would be trunk mm-hmm. space. But like you know, where you could keep a couple baskets or a single trunk or something like that. Sure. It just sounds like an emo band or something. Like I don't know. Right. <laughs> The sulky gig. Yeah, I hear you. 
So he takes a sulky gig and he goes, he's going to collect his father's, just his bones, uh-huh. in this trunk. His father hadn't actually decayed. I'm sorry. Yep. yep. Oh, no, no, no. I, no, no. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it, in the 13 intervening years, I don't know why. I couldn't find any reasonable explanation as to why somebody wouldn't decay, other than from what I could tell. Sometimes that just happens. Uh, there are some bodies that simply don't decay. Yeah. For for one reason or another, maybe it's a certain condition of the soil or the coffin that they're buried in. I'm not sure. I don't. I can't give you guys a good explanation. I couldn't find anything conclusive. But he only has this sulky gig to take him back. He can't fit oh, his no. father's body, which was described as chalky. Ew. Yeah. Enjoy that. <laughs> This is what you get for talking to me about smallpox scabs. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, so his body is chalky, which... But one leg had decomposed. What? And yes. Yes. Isn't this so strange? Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. So the only thing that can be done Mm -hmm. is done by the camp doctor. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. What? No. Oh, God. Okay. The camp doctor uses his medical tools, oh, including his uh, bone saw, mm-hmm. to saw through the chalky body, uh, God. place it into a large kettle, and boil ah! it, sc- scrape away the skin and boil it off the bones. Oh. And then those bones are collected and placed in the trunk that he had brought with him. Well, the trunk wasn't large enough what? to fit these bones. So they also had to stick some in the saddlebags of the, oh my uh, God. Of the horse. Just like sticking out like... Doo, 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 doo. Oh my God. Right. So they have this mass of flesh, this chalky, boiled flesh of his father. Ah. And it's so utterly disgusting that the camp doctor is like, you know what? Fuck this. And he pours the... Once he's removed the bones with forceps, he pours the goo... Uh. The flesh and the organs and everything that's been boiled back into the coffin that they have disinterred. Oh my god. Along with all of the tools used in this cursed event. This is the grossest thing we've ever talked about. (laughs) uh, They pour it back into the coffin, seal the coffin up, and put it back in the ground because they don't know what else to do. I thought the scabs were going to be the worst part. Come on. (laughs) Sorry, man. I wish I could help you with that. So now he's gone. He has to go about 400 miles over rough Pennsylvania roads. Pennsylvania has uh, had a lot of stones. Uh-huh. It's, uh, I've driven through Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pennsylvania can be quite problematic. It's quite mountainous. Um, and in 1809, it was significantly worse. And they don't have tunnels so, blasted through to make highways. Exactly. So he's going 400 miles, often out of his way. Uh, with loosely packed saddlebags of his father's extremities. Jangling about in them saddlebags. And those saddlebags maybe aren't the uh, most secure thing in the whole world. Mm -hmm. See, leaving a little Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb trail of his dad's bones. What? Exactly. Yeah, he lost some bones along the way. I mean, he's going on, I think they called it Highway 322. Does that mean anything to you? Thank God, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, so now it's said he, he, they, they got back to Radnor, Pennsylvania, and they reinterred just the bones that they had available. Uh-huh. 
And it said that every birthday, which is January 1st, mm-hmm. Anthony Wayne rises from the dead and he walks the length of highway between the two <sighs> burial places looking for his lost bones. Oh my God. Oh. Isn't that fun? And fun fact, he was at he was at Valley Forge where he does have a statue. Yeah. Allegedly, he haunts that place as well. I think I did read that, but yeah. And he was at Yorktown. Mm-hmm. So, kind of an interesting story. That's all I cooked up because I figured you'd want to do the majority of our chit chat. So, uh, that is, it was a pretty great story, though. So I can't, I can't. That's that's it. That's the end. Yeah. I can't follow. Can you this. imagine scraping flesh off of human bones? Oh my god! Yeah, it's and, and chalky. then just like being like, well, don't know what to do with this. Back into. <laughs> Uh, yeah what else are you gonna do you, you gotta just... can you just hear the like sickening plop of the last few pieces as they pour it back into the just like the just gushy yeah just, it, i would imagine it sounded like like jello falling like jello oh with God. like strawberries in it hitting the pan oh, i'm about to barf <laughs> yeah so uh, here, you know what it makes me think of though what? put that thing back where you where it came from or so help me <laughs> so, so help me so help me and see <laughs> For real. Oh, oh my god. Darling, do you have a listener story for us? I... Oh my god. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. We have a lot. Okay, so so this email comes from Tony and it's called The Shape in the Mirror. Which, ooh, yep. good title, Tony. Yeah, it sounds like a novel. And they write, I've written you all a story before. Did we read it? Sorry if we haven't. We will get to I it, know, I promise. Actually, um, well, hopefully we did. Anyway, uh, I was just listening to your listeners' stories episode from <laughs> January 18th. So that's <laughs> how old this is. At least it was this year. And something Kate said made me remember something that happened to me when I was in college. I attended a community college, so no dorms for three years, got a business degree, and moved to a private university in Ohio. Uh, whoops. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. We we actually don't hate Ohio. It's it's all propaganda. It's all bark and no bite. Um, right, right. Anyway, the so the second school had purchased several old apartment complexes that surrounded the school and called them dorms. Most rooms were six people to a two-bedroom flat. Ew. Yeah, I know, right? That seems like... Is that three people per room? It must be. Jesus. Because uh, the next sentence is, I was in the smallest flat in my complex, three of us in a one bedroom. I hope at least it was a big bedroom. Like, most dorms are just two people. Right. My so, so my dorm room was roughly the size of our studio, Jen. Maybe a little smaller. Okay, yeah. So for those of you playing the home game, uh, that's maybe 12 by 15. Which is, like, pretty normal. Is it? I don't know. Maybe no. it's big. No, our our dorm rooms were small. Small. Like I have no concept. Like you could fit two twin beds and that's space. it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just know that we had quads that fit three people. So there fancy. you go. <laughs> Y'all with your fancy shit at the private school. No, I'm just. Well, we we had a couple. Most were two people rooms, but we had a couple rooms that were called quads, which is four. I had three. Oh, you had you stuck four people in a bedroom? No, 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 Jesus, no. That's not I fancy. think they used to because they're oh, called so quads, could... but they put three people in it. It's fine. I'm confused. It's fine. Okay. It's not that interesting of a story. Anyway, 
look at all so that this, So poor Tony is in a one room with two other people, which Yuck. sounds like a lot. Just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they go on to say, I spent most nights alone as one roommate, one roommate spent the night in her boyfriend's flat and the other had class from midnight to 6 a.m. During, oh. yeah, that's astronomy, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, she didn't say she went to Hogwarts, Jen. Listen, astronomy classes are a thing. I'm sure they are. Anyway. It just, it sounds so hogwarts it does. Well, so does a class from midnight to 6 a.m. Yeah. That sounds bananas. <laughs> anyway, during this time, I was also dealing with being harassed by a male student, which is garbage. And Ugh. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I hope that's over. Yeah. I hope so. So I was always escorted home by campus security. Good for them. Good job. Um, and they yeah. always checked every corner of the flat before they would let me enter in case the guy discovered our unlocked patio door. Who needs locks when you can just let someone hide in your closet? What the fuck? Did they the door? T- what the fuck? Oh man! But good job, <sighs> campus security. And I like that's very brave of them. And good job. And also, what the fuck? Deal with your security problem. Jesus. Anyway, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's, okay. you know, we can talk about dealing with our security problem, or we can talk about dealing with toxic men who feel entitled to women. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> you, know, you know, while we're on the subject, uh, you know, while we're asking questions. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So many problems, a little time. So I was always alone at night and sure of it. That's terrifying. We had two sets of bunk beds in one of, in the one bedroom of the flat. I slept on the bottom bunk of the, of the set that faced the door of the bedroom and the bathroom door. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> I could see the mirror from my bed and it freaked me out because it always looked like there was someone looking out of it at me. No. Yep. Nope. Yep. Uh, Do not look at mirrors in dark rooms. Yeah, I know. They're terrifying. We've to, oh, this is probably what we were talking about before. Oh, I don't maybe. look at mirrors in dark rooms. Yeah. Like I don't look at... If I so like when I get up in the night to pee, mm-hmm. I usually don't turn on the light because Dan's super photosensitive and he'll wake up and be grumpy. Yeah, but then you and so I'll just pee in the dark. Right? Yeah. Do not. I don't. I stare at my fucking hands when I'm washing them. And every time you say that, room. I remember how many mirrors I have in my room everywhere, and I'm just like fucking terrified. Yeah, you you could you should take those down. <laughs> That's it's okay. You really only need one. <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, uh, mm. I started demanding that the bathroom door be shut while I slept and that the bedroom door be shut when they left for the day. This was all well and good. And one and the one roommate who slept above me when she was home agreed that the mirror freaked her out too. But the third roommate wouldn't listen to me and consistently left the flat with the mirror staring at me. What the fuck? <laughs> this was all well and good until one day I planted myself on the couch looking to watch some Netflix and the fucking Xbox Connect mapped through mapped two forms sitting on either side of me. Oh my god! <laughs> do you under? Wait, I do not. So What's like an Xbox Connect. I I think it's like you know those like Wii things where it like maps like who's in the room. So it like it like senses movement and like uh-huh. so you can like do active things and it'll like oh, sense okay you. So it so it's sensing something other it than her. Sensed two forms sitting on either side of them. No, 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 thank you. 
Like that, like that Snapchat oh. where somebody had the puppy filter on, and there's like two puppies mm-hmm. looking at a bare wall. The the Snapchat filter interpreted two puppies, mm-hmm. and then they were like kept getting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, fuck that, mm-hmm. fuck that mm-hmm. noise. Yeah, it's so Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. I noped out of that shit and left until I knew one of my roommates would be back. I on- yeah, smart. Yeah. I only lived in that flat for a few more weeks before dropping out of school, but didn't have anything else happen. I don't know if the mirror thing was just a manifestation of my stress. That's what my resident pagan priest told me it was. Yeah, that could be. Or if it was something left over from when the building was public flats. But I can say that I no longer have a mirror that I can see while sleeping. Yeah, smart. Yeah. Do not look at mirrors in dark rooms, guys. It's not good for your brain. Yeah. Ugh. Have a good one well, t- and watch out for freaky stuff in mirrors, Tony. Oh, thanks, Tony. You rule, and I'm glad you're not in those dangerous situations anymore, yeah. like all of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's just so much negative shit in one <sighs> space. Well. All right. Well. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. Guys, season three. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed putting it together. Uh, uh, everybody's homework is to think about what a chalky or decayed body looks like. No, I just uh, forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> and your other homework is to think about putting smallpox scabs underneath your skin. So yep. enjoy that. Yes. Uh, Jeff, I will will have another episode in two weeks. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you want to find us on the internet, we are haunted underscore pod on twitter and we're this podcast is haunted facebook and instagram and you can email us your stories at this podcast is haunted at gmail.com once again that's not in any of the of you know the official pages but you should just start saying that in your head right <laughs> Uh, we also do have a website coming soon my husband bought the domain name just in case there was any question yeah uh, so we're going to be populating a website pretty so, soon, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, we're hoping to we'll like really get our shit together this season. Maybe me saying this out loud on the podcast will actually, like, you know, the secret it into right. existence. <laughs> right. We are going to speak this shit into existence. Yep. We're going to be organized. I have a list of episode topics for the entire season. Yep. It's going to be... It's happening. Fucking, it's going to be the tits, Jen. Yes. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay good. Stay spooky, motherfuckers. There you go. Boom. Bye. Bye.